Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Welcome back to Walking with Freya. This is episode three. Originally, I had intended for this to be my Freya's diagnosis story. However, when I got into the telling of her birth and it went on for 45 minutes, 45 minutes, I realized that I should split it up. So I'm calling this episode the time between. So in episode two, I told our birth story and this episode is going to be about the time between giving birth to a small, fragile, floppy baby through the, t- through the time when we figure out why. And it was quite a ride. It was three and a half months and a very intense three and a half months. Okay, so I just had to pause. I had to button up the back of a dress as moms do. Okay, so yes, yeah, so I've tried, to, I've tried to record this part of the story a few times and it just is so long and rambly. I'm going to go back to my blog, growingupwithpws.blogspot.com, and I'm going to read something that I wrote. Actually, I'd written it for a One Small Step fundraiser, which I'll talk more about another time. But All right, so this is called Freya's Beginning. I'm going to skip the first little bit because that's about the birth. And if you've listened to episode two, you've already heard that story. Um, so this is after, after she was born, after she waited to open her eyes for me. I spent most of the next few days in the hospital just trying to feed my baby. My first had nursed so well, but this one wouldn't or couldn't nurse, and she just kept falling asleep. I tried nipple shields, special spoons, finger feeding, and syringes. My milk came in, and I thought she had finally caught on. She gained some ounces, and they let us go home. Home. My baby was so small so quiet, so weak, so tired. My oldest daughter would rub her feet while she attempted nursing to try and keep her awake. My partner and I tried to understand the reasons. Because of the cesarean, she wasn't in her body yet. Perhaps my due date was wrong and she was younger than we had thought. Maybe she just wasn't getting enough food to begin with. Every day she lost more weight. I held her naked to my chest, For most of those first few weeks, I slept that way. I was trying to feed her soul with my touch to awaken her to this world. She slept most of this time, as most newborns do, but there were times that she slept so deeply it took moments of jostling to wake her. I would wake in terror in the middle of the night, afraid she had passed without my knowing. The times when I was awake I could feel a subtle shift in her being, as if she was slowly just letting go. Those were the scariest moments. The last moment I remember, I was home alone. Baby was sleeping against my chest as I wandered around the house. Then I could feel it. 
that slow retreat, the silent backward stepping out of a room so as not to disturb those in it. I could feel her spirit trying to quietly remove itself from that body. But I held on. I sang to her. I called to her. I jostled and cajoled her. I sobbed and pleaded and frantically paced the hall as each passing moment found her still asleep. Finally, her little body stirred against mine and she fluttered open her eyes. The day was November 1st, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. I decided then and there my baby needed a name. She needed a name to let her know that she was in this world now, that she was wanted, a name that I could use to call to her to bring her back if she tried to leave again. I would not sleep until she had a name. I could not sleep lest her spirit take flight from her nameless body. We spent hours trying out names but could not find one to fit. We knew her middle name would be Jude, in honor of Hey Jude having been played in the OR during her birth. I fell asleep somewhat consoled with baby Jude on my chest. The next morning, I woke feeling hopeful. Baby Jude was still with us and had even lost her umbilical cord in the night. To my anxiety-ridden consciousness, it was a testament to her commitment to remain with us. That day she got her name. Freya, the Norse goddess of love, beauty, fertility, death, and war who reigns over her own field in the afterlife, excepting those who do not go to Valhalla. Freya Jude, a Viking goddess and a song of comfort. So there you have it. <laughs> it's a briefer version of that experience. Oh, I can still remember the feeling, the terror of those times when she would just get so quiet. Even even reading through this, for you guys, I just had to, I had to stop a few times. <laughs> Shed a few tears. I'm sure you guys can relate. I've That's one thing I've noticed is that sitting, anytime I'm sitting with a teacher or a counselor or, you know, a therapist and we're talking about Freya, even if it's a good, sweet, positive meeting, there's usually one or two moments where, you know, I have to do that, uh, kind of that awkward eye blinking, <laughs> you know, because the tears just want to come. There's just so, so many emotions, so many emotions. So that was how Freya got her name. And that was that. I know perhaps some of you think uh, maybe I was being irrational or silly um, with the, uh, the Dia de los Muertos. That's the day when the veils, be the veil between the worlds is the thinnest, right? And so that for me, it was a really, really intense day. And I really was terrified. And I'm sure some of you think, um, that's irrational and silly, but I have two things to say. One, that's just, I'm, I am a spiritual person. It made sense to me that there is a time when perhaps the other side is a little closer. And if you have this being, this person that's already a little fragile and not quite sure of their place in this world, that it could be a little easier to slip into the other. I do believe that. Um, but also the bigger part of that story, the more important part, I, you know, how do we cope? 
How do we find power in a situation where we are utterly powerless? I had a weak, fragile baby that was not thriving, and no one could tell me why. No one had answers. At that point, she was going to the pediatrician, I believe, every couple days. The midwives were coming. Nobody, nobody knew why she was not thriving. So my mind tried to come up with answers. You know, we tried to, we tried to make sense of it all. And that helped me get through. To me, that made sense that she needed a name. That was part of it. We gave her name. But still, we did not have a diagnosis. She was still having our time. Around this time, actually, I believe we got a lactation consultant to come in who suggested I use a bottle. That is actually... That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> I remember I remember the night before, my, my husband was like, she's, she's going to tell you to use a bottle. And I said... She's a lactation consultant. They're not going to tell me to use a bottle. You know, the, the whole point is they're going to help us figure out this this breastfeeding thing with her. And no, she told me to use a bottle. And as heartbreaking as it was for me, because I never used a bottle with Haven, so many things you have to surrender. I went, I got a bottle, and I remember pumping, putting my milk in there. And because I was still, I was pumping at this point and just trying to use a syringe. I don't even know. I don't even remember. It was just nuts. And I remember holding her and just watching her just suck down two ounces so quickly. I mean, it was heartbreaking that I couldn't be the one that we had to have this, this step, you know, a few steps between us, you know, I had to pump it, put it in a bottle and then give it to her. Um, that was heartbreaking in a way, but also, oh my goodness, to see your baby finally, finally she ate. Oh, it was a beautiful relief. So, so at this point we started giving her a bottle. So I, I think that she was kind of, you know, maybe she was starting to gain some weight now. She was, we had found something that was starting to work. She wasn't rapidly gaining weight. I mean, she was still, still diagnosed, I guess, with failure to thrive. She still had that, but she was waking up a bit more. So those moments of her kind of retreating were not quite as intense. Um, but still, still something wasn't right. So the next, our next solution <laughs> was to have a rebirthing ceremony. It still wasn't her due day yet. So my next plan of action was to celebrate her birth day on her due date. And so one of the things I did was I scheduled her for cranial sacral and which is a special kind of massage which is centered around the head and it's kind of I think there's some woo-woo aspect to it that I don't totally understand but I loved it it was very sweet and actually I took her back maybe a month later because she had a lazy eye and the, and the woman was able to fix it which was pretty amazing it's come back now I mean five years later and she's wearing glasses maybe has to get surgery but or six years later, but um, it it worked for several years. So cranial sacral, amazing. But I thought that 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 would help kind of you know when you come down when you're born you're coming down the birth canal and your head gets squeezed. And I know um, I'm gonna have a my midwife actually is gonna come on and talk uh, one of these times, and so she'll be able to talk more about the 
you know, all the things that are stimulated and activated by going down the birth canal, maybe if we get to that. So I took her to cranial sacral and then I came home and as I was as I was thinking about telling a story, I remembered that I had I had a couple friends that came over that day to help celebrate Freya's birthday and they brought they brought a cake they brought a birthday cake we sat down like we we had this whole celebration it was so sweet and so beautiful and I just I love I'm so grateful to my friends for being a part of that and making that happen it was so loving and so sweet now the big (laughs) the big ceremony was for that evening wasn't really a big ceremony. It was me, my husband, our daughter Haven, and Freya. So the main point of the ceremony was to kind of act out the birth. I don't know, not the laboring part. So what we did is we massaged her body. And then uh, here's the part where you guys can all get a good chuckle. I had crocheted a cervix. <laughs> and, and, um, I know. Now I sound like a total nut job, I'm sure, but there you go. <laughs> I crocheted a cervix and we we sent her through the cervix. I remember at one point there was discussion if we should send her head first or feet first because she was breech. And I honestly don't remember which way we put her through, but yeah, so we massaged her as if she was, you know, feeling the contractions of the womb and I sang to her and then we put her through the cervix, the crocheted cervix and Voila, she was, that was her rebirthing ceremony. I ha, I don't think I've ever asked my husband and my daughter what they thought of it. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine uh, they were humoring me out of desperation. <sighs> Again, I want to go back to, to that whole thing of, well, when you don't know what is happening, when you don't have that power of control and nobody has answers, you just you got to come up with something. You do anything. And I'm not, I had no experience with any kind of medical issues or, or babies that weren't just easy, healthy, fully functioning babies. I just had, I had nothing. So this is where I went. So that was her rebirthing ceremony, crocheted cervix and all. At some point around this time in the journey, my midwife came over. She sat on her bed and she told us that they were concerned. As soon as she said that, I started to cry. This was it. All of those fears that I had had were validated. This was the moment that they were going to tell me that I had been right all along from the beginning when I was worried about the baby. You know, this, it all came down to this moment. And I just started crying and I asked her if she thought Freya was going to die. Oh my God, I wish, I wish that I, that I had asked this question weeks before because, because the look of shock on her face was almost enough. But then, then for her to say, oh my God, Annie, if I thought your baby was dying, I wouldn't be going home at night. And suddenly everything was so much better. There was such a relief. I could look back on it and think, well, of course, of course, if between the midwives and 
the doctor, the pediatrician that we were seeing regularly, between them, they would have told us. They would have warned us. There would have been something. So yes, I realize in hindsight, I should have trusted them with that. But I hadn't. I I thought nobody was being honest with me and that they were just kind of waiting to see. I don't know. It's hard to go back to that place because it was, there have been so many emotions. There were so many emotions back then. There have been so many emotions since then. But um, yeah, I just remember the relief. Oh, okay. Our baby's not going to die. Anything else? Anything else we could handle? So I would like to hear your stories on coping. How did you cope? How do other people cope? How do you find power in a powerless situation when you are dealing with your children, when you have this baby that nobody has answers for why they're not thriving? How do you, as parents, as caregivers, take charge in that moment? What 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 are some ways we can we can find our power, we can find answers, we can cope? Share your story and maybe help somebody else get through that moment. Let's tell those stories of the crocheted cervixes or cervicei. I'm not really sure how to say it, but maybe your story can can be can help somebody else with their with their struggle. Walkingwithfreya at gmail.com is how you can get your stories to me, how you can get in touch with me. Also the Facebook page, the Facebook group, Walking with Freya. It's also a good place where we can share stories and get in touch. So thank you for listening.